Hi, and welcome to the first part of our DCU special looking at the future of the DC universe. We ended up splitting into two parts because it ran on for quite long, but I hope you enjoyed the first part. Thank you. Enjoy. Hi, guys, and welcome to the latest episode of Jumpcast. Today is a special occasion for all the DCU boys and girls out there. We are jumping into the future of the DCU in the wake of Zack Snyder's Justice League finally releasing. And to do that, I have got two very special people here finally joining me together on Jumpcast. I've got John and Rob, Ancient Son as the boys themselves. Take a bow, guys. Introduce yourself. Right, that was a, a momentous introduction, that was. I wasn't feel like prepared a, for that. Yeah, there's a lot of hope to live up to there. Uh, <laughs> as, as Sam sort of led into on Rob. Uh, so I started the channel with John uh, many, many years ago now, um, which got the three of us talking about comics and movies and, and all things um, Good. sort of in that game. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've stepped away from it a little bit now, but pleased to be back with the boys and having a, having a good chat as we often do. So, John, floor's yours. Yeah, as uh, you succinctly wrapped it up there, uh, we started the channel probably 2014, 2015, I want to say. Um, after begging and pleading to find like-minded individuals to start a channel with. Um, it has unfortunately fallen by the wayside as life happens, but every now and then you'll see video reviews. Hopefully there'll be a more regular podcast coming. Um, it's just great to be to be talking again with like-minded individuals. I'm happy to be on the uh, podcast with Sam. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you both on. I mean, the whole where we got talking originally, I think it was Rob, you sent me an email when I was still doing the Memoirs of a Mall Cop YouTube channel. I think you sent me an email about doing a collab, like talking about Arrow uh, on CW and stuff like that. I can't remember what it, exactly what it was, but it started there. And we didn't actually end up doing a collab, but we just started talking yeah. <laughs> from that. Yeah, I think, do you know what? I was always Mr. Networking. I think I let the I let John do the high quality videos and I just spoke <laughs> <laughs> spoke at spoke at people until they listened, um. But no, and then and then it, it developed quite quickly into quite a strong friendship between the three of us. Actually, I think it was weeks after that we'd exchanged numbers, and like yeah. I say, now now we talk pretty much every day, all day, which is which is really yeah. nice, you know. Yeah, I think like me and John got talking like quickly after that because you had the fa- you still got the Facebook page, and I think I commented on that. Yeah, to do with with something, and then John responded and. And it's went from there. Rest is history. It's it's really bizarre how, because I, I never really considered the possibility of building such a strong relationship from, um, from an, an online community. It's just, you know you you hear stories of it. I didn't actually think it would ever get to the stage where we visited each other and we actually have, like, it's a genuine friendship, which is weird to think. It's almost like we were dating each other to begin with, and now we're in a <laughs> full blown loving you relationship you mean we're not you mean, we're not? <laughs> you, mean you mean these last six years have been alive and we wanted to keep a little bit of ambiguity but yes <laughs> we are <laughs> we're a triumvirate like when, the last time out was it shazam yeah it was shazam. i know me and john it was invisible man yeah. Last, shazam uh, for the three of us january february but i think for the three years it was when shazam came out yeah it was shazam mm. 4d right which is shazam in 4D. yeah we did Shaz- did we see and another film that day we saw us um, yeah, yeah we did i knew there was something else we went to see but i couldn't like put my finger on it at all. terrific film i'm pretty sure we did shazam 4d five guys us beer 
which is a pretty strong couple That's of hours. That's a good day. We did. Oh yeah, because there's because there's a bar at your uh, Cine World. Yeah, I remember. Now we were sat in the bar for like ages. I can I can two hours at least, and I'm pretty sure, mm. like even then, we're spe- speaking about like Snyder's Justice League. I mean, at the time, yeah. it was just the Snyder cut. But even then, we were talking about it, which is just mad to think. Now we're at the point where we can say we've, we've seen, seen it. It, <laughs> it exists. It's four hours long. It's beautiful. It's here. So I guess going off of that, like we take it back to the beginning, like how did you guys get into DC and the DCU and your journey from there up to now kind of thing? Um, I mean, the, the DC EU obviously started with Man of Steel. It was going to be started with Green Lantern, uh, as far as I'm aware, but <laughs> we all know how that turned out. Although I will say I've got a lot of time for Green Lantern. It is a crap film, but I really, really like the character of Green Lantern. So I'll take anything at the minute. But I've always been a superhero fan. I've always been a, a Superman and Batman fan. Um, and obviously I've gravitated towards anything related to the two of those. Um, I think in 2013 it seemed like a dream come true that we we're going to get a Superman film that is directed by the quote-unquote visionary director Zack Snyder, who was responsible for one of my all-time favourite films, Watchmen. And he was going to be helming a Superman film, which was going to be produced by Christopher Nolan, who'd just come off of the Dark Knight trilogy, as well as all his other successful films. It just seemed like a no-brainer. And obviously, again, the rest is history. Man of Steel was brilliant. And I've just been lapping up everything that's come from the (laughs) DCEU since, with obviously varying results. Yeah, sort of very, very similar in some ways, but very different in others for me. Um, I've been a comic guy all my life. I remember walking up to um, the local library on a Saturday morning with my mum. And if I'd done all the homework, I could read the comics. You know, yeah. that was that was the arrangement we had. So I've, I've sort of, um, and you guys will know this, I've sort of absorbed comic media every day of my life for, for 28 mm-hmm. years now. Um, God, yeah. So, so hearing about, again, Man of Steel, and the, the key thing for me that sort of ties into the DCEU, I was never really a fan of the Superman movies before Man of Steel. I always sort of struggled with the, the corny aspect of them, that he's obviously mm. a massive part of the character. Um, but to see something so so different in Man of Steel, in, in how visionary is probably the right word, John, you've just used it, um, it was a real breath of fresh air. And then, obviously, we all started talking around about that time. And the, the rest is history. The movies have kept coming and I'm real thankful for it. And I think it was, what, two weeks ago now? Just over two weeks ago now? We mm. got that four-hour masterpiece, Did. quite frankly, in my eyes. can't believe like, it's, it's actually here. But yeah, I guess my kind of like journey into these films, like my brother's always been into Batman, like the Tim Burton Batmans, and he passed down those to me and we used to rewatch them all the time mm. and we had comics and stuff in the house. And then I think like the like first Superman film I really fell in love with was Superman Returns. Like I wasn't really that keen on the. It's weird because I wasn't really that keen on the Reeves films, which Superman Returns is like a big homage to. But yeah. there's just something about that film that I really latched onto when I first saw it, and then I was just obsessed with Superman from there. 
and then at the time of Man of Steel coming out, I was studying film in college, and I just saw the trailer. I thought you can make superhero films that are like this, <laughs> and they look like this. Like what? And this was like just after the birth of the MCU, because you had Iron Man in two thousand eight. So they were kind of laying down their like blueprint, if you will, for what superhero films could be. And as much as I love those early films, they are very similar in aesthetic and approach and whatnot and then when man of steel trailer came about i was like what you can't do super films like this get out of town <laughs> yeah i remember watching man of steel and like it's almost dragon ball z type action you know i think mm. the the fire fight is just absolutely incredible and john i can 100%. see yeah john's... It, the, the smallville <laughs> fight was just like jesus yeah because <laughs> you've never seen I don't. I don't think you've ever seen a superhero move like that. Let alone a, a Kryptonian or a, a Superman. You've not. I've not really seen anyone move like that in a film before. Obviously, other than in anime. Yeah, and I think one of the big things for me that Man of Steel did really well was it was the first. It was the first Superman film that really showed scale, in my opinion. Now we'd seen mm-hmm. him doing. We'd seen him do crazy stuff like fly around the mm-hmm. world to turn back time and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> But it was the first one where I, you know, you see them get hurtled through buildings, and you see, you see them just, you know, bullets literally bounce off them, and they look, it looks like real bullets because they've got proper military guys shooting at them, and it's <laughs> shot well. And I just remember being amazed at, at sort of the, the impact of it, you know, the physical impact of the fight was what really was really struck me, to be honest. I, th- I mean, I, I think, think I should for me, it. obviously, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we should preface it going forward that if it isn't abundantly clear to everybody, we are quite big fans of what Zack Snyder's <laughs> been doing with the DCU. And I'm sure we'll get into that. But no, go ahead, Don. Go ahead. I, I think he started off on the right foot. Like, I, I don't feel like we we should have to be apologists for Zack Snyder. <laughs> and have to, he doesn't need defending. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. it's insane that a director who and obviously we'll touch on this a little bit later on, I'm sure we will, but a director who seemingly has done nothing wrong to hurt anybody's feelings, someone who clearly has skill and has honed his craft, taken time to hone his craft. I mean, Jesus, he didn't even start making films until Dawn of the Dead in 2004. He was already well into his career at that point, doing music videos and stuff. Um, so I think it's it's ridiculous that we even have to pretend to apologize for Zack Snyder and his stylistic choice but with Man of Steel even from the trailers and to be fair it's it's only peppered throughout the film it's not actually a large amount of it but the stuff that's set in Smallville especially with a younger Clark it's shot like a Terrence Malick film it's it's shot like Tree of Life or similar films like that it's it's insane that you've got that then contrasting with the huge world-ending threat of General Zod who as much as I love Terence Stamp, Zod has never been better in film than with Man of Steel, played by Michael Shannon. So mm-hmm. you've got this, and I think to be fair, we had obviously the the series of films that have had this beam in the sky situation in the third act, but we did have a string of films starting probably with um, Transformers: Dark of the Moon where the third act is literally a city being destroyed and the scale is just off the charts. And I feel like Man of Steel has done it the best out of all of those. 
I also think the tying to the wider DCEU was quite good as well because we see that 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 sort of third act cliche that you spoke about, John, ties into being one of Bruce's motivations as we go towards Batman versus Superman, you know. Um, I challenge anyone who thinks they're a good and decent person to watch two aliens rip apart their city, kill loads of people by accident and potentially not be a little bit annoyed. So those who, who question sort of Batman's motivation slightly might might want to put themselves in, in their own shoes. Uh, but I might be jumping the gun there starting to talk about Batman vs Superman. <laughs> we'll get to that one. That that mammoth <laughs> film that we've oh, lusted yes. after. <laughs> yeah, Man of Steel came at like an, an interesting time for the character and, and for the character in comics as well because Superman got rebooted again in like 2010. I think it was Superman Rebirth, like, I think mm. it was Grant Morrison or somebody that they rebooted it again. Another origin version of him. And the character had just gone through that. And then, obviously, we had Superman Returns in 2006. And people's kind of film image of Superman has always been very much latched onto Christopher Reeve as the kind of Boy Scout do-good. 100%. Morally, like, solid as a rock Superman. And that's not a bad thing, because that is... Part a very big part of the character, and it always has been, even back like to the, the Bronze Age of the character. But Man of Steel kind of flipped that on his head, and like, what if Superman didn't necessarily want to be discovered? What if he just wanted to kind of act in the shadows? What if he just wanted to kind of help people, but not be like gratuitously thanked for it? And you see that at the beginning of the film, like when he's on the oil rig and he helps all those people there. And he like he exposes himself, but they don't know he's a superhero. He's just some like buff dude that rips down the door, <laughs> and he's <Yeah>. on fire. <laughs> he's just some buff dude that's there to help. And I really enjoyed that aspect of Superman when, uh, in Man of Steel when I went to see it because I thought like, wow, you can actually have Superman who's been notoriously known as a character that's not really that complex, which is a bit of an understatement because there's so many comics and versions of him where they do get into the emotions of the character and how he perceives himself. Yeah, definitely. And you've got Man of Steel that examines that you've actually got a bit of a character drama there and i thought that was incredible to not only have the bombastic kind of action side of a superhero movie but then you've got that underscored with the complexity of this guy that really doesn't want to be a superhero until he's forced into it with a world-threatening conflict i think people have really warmed to man of steel in recent years but at the time i Although me and my friends really loved it, I don't remember it getting such a warm reception from critics. And mm-hmm. I think it's really, really harsh of people to even now say that Man of Steel doesn't have any complexity to it, doesn't have any depth to it, because a large amount of it is this sort of introspective aspect of Clark that we've not really seen outside of Smallville, um, where a large amount of the, this two and a half hour film is dedicated to having Clark question himself and doubt himself. And I think that's that's such an important aspect that, like you say, Sam, we, we have seen in some of the comic books, but it's not the sort of mainstream portrayal of Superman. And I think to put that in his first outing makes perfect sense. I think there's been um, sort of a consistent portrayal that, that comic book characters, you sort of have to use the simple versions of those characters. Um, and, and it's something, to be honest, that Marvel are getting better at. They're introducing angles to their characters that are more complex and they do deal with more real life issues. But if you look at Iron Man 2, for example, that very much only glazed into the idea of Tony's alcoholism, which has been a mm-hmm. massive part of his character for years and years. Um, 
what I really liked that Man of Steel did was they sort of took a complex angle, like we just said. They sort of thrust it in your face and they said, look, this is the norm now. You know, this is our Superman. This is Zack Snyder Superman. And there's there's con- there's continuity in the tone, right? Zack Snyder Superman, we've Agreed. seen a very strong, in my opinion, and a very well-developed progression throughout the films. And I think you've start... sorry, Rob, just to, no, to interrupt for just a second. You keep referring to it as Zack Snyder's Superman. Do you think that if Man of Steel was titled Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, it would have got a different reception? Um, <laughs> at the time, probably not. But I th- because I think it's been, I think it has been this Zack Snyder DCEU journey that mm-hmm. has unfortunately earned him. That this sort of negative respect that he seemed to have got, which which I can't quite understand, especially considering you know the things that the, the man has been through, obviously, the the poor incidents related to his his daughter committing suicide and everything. So, I think a lot. I mean, we'll talk about troll culture, I'm sure, as we get towards the later films. But I I do think that he has delivered what is, in my opinion, the definitive Superman film, and not actually got the respect he deserved, even back as far as when it released before a lot of the stigma uh, appeared. I'd agree. And I think especially for this generation, it's it's a perfectly apt Man of Steel, a perfectly apt portrayal of Superman. The whole idea is that... I mean, it was... um, It was almost trying to, to reflect um, how illegal immigrants feel in, in the United States at the time, um, which is... It's not exactly subtle... But, uh, you know, from just face value, from a superhero perspective, you've seen superheroes in the past sort of take the mantle and take this responsibility with glee. And the fact that you've actually got a summer blockbuster film where the main hero isn't confident in his powers, isn't confident in himself as a, as a person... I just think it's such an interesting take and it's it's one that genuinely doesn't get enough credit and especially considering that this was the launching pad for this entire continuity it could have gone either way and I'm glad that at least for this part even though Man of Steel wasn't a huge box office success I'm glad that Warner Brothers stayed with Zack Snyder to at least get to the next chapter with uh, Batman versus Superman I still think one, one last point sir I still think that, to this day, Man of Steel is the visually best comic book movie that has ever been made. I think I I I will it's put fair. my put my neck on the line and say that I mean I, I'm I'm a massive MCU fan. I love all the DC films. I think Aquaman is up there, but mm. I think Man <laughs> of Steel is is visually the best comic book movie ever made. I was just gonna say like when Man of Steel came out like a criticism i've always kind of like i see where people coming from but i've always disagreed with is that superman himself is quite uh, an unhappy negative character i mean he's not like he's not like (laughs) depressed or anything in the film like you say he's just he's not confident in himself and what he's capable of but the first thing we see him do which is a very superman thing like i said he's, he's saving people that is the first thing you see clark do in this film absolutely it's the first and last thing you see him do in Man of Steel, and I just I've always kind of seen that angle was a bit odd that people would think that of Superman. I get that the tone of the film is a bit more somber than a lot of the other iterations, but Superman himself in this film, even if he's not confident himself, is still trying to do the right thing. 
but I think that tone is real in nature. You know, mm-hmm. imagine Agreed. imagine you live on a world where you throw a punch too hard and that person's head's off their shoulders. Mm. You know, you you throw a ball too hard in sports class and everyone knows you're a freak. You know. More importantly, Rob, imagine a world where you're Superman and you've always had to hold and pull your punches, and then all of a sudden one day you've got to fight someone who's stronger than you. Yeah. Multiple people who are stronger than you. Yeah. While, what while a burden that would be. You've got to save the world and all you want to do is just live a normal life. Yeah. Just wants to farm some <laughs> corn and chill out. <laughs> well, that's the thing as well. Like in Man of Steel, he's literally, if you want to say, like, become Superman. He's been Superman for like three or four days by the end of the yeah. movie. Like, imagine your first time on the job as the hero of the planet is, oh, I've got to fly across the Indian Ocean to stop some giant, like, terraforming thing from destroying the planet. Then once I've got done that, I've got to super fly over to Metropolis, fight this Kryptonian guy that's stronger than me and wants to kill everyone. And then go forward from there. Like, that's an insane first day on the job for any superhero. All, all while technically betraying your father's wishes and questioning all of your allies because you don't know who's on your side. Mm -hmm. I also think it's an often slept on point as well in Man of Steel that Zod was, Zod was designed for that. You know, Zod's whole role was to, was to be a soldier. I said this in my review, man. Clark it's, it's, was, it's not Clark a fair was criticism. A farmer. He was a farmer <laughs> yeah. that was pretty strong and could fly. He didn't really know what he was doing. He knew I mean he knew nothing about his heritage for, for a long, long time. And now all of a sudden he's being put against like the soldier of the whole Kryptonian race. He's being put against the pinnacle of what Krypton had to offer in that regard. And, and he's just and he's just told, Oh yeah, save the world. You know, what do people expect from him? Of course, that is a hell of a decision <laughs> to be to be thrust into. And um, I mean, I love Henry Cavill. I'd watch Henry Cavill in anything. For me, though, it will take a damn good actor for me to say that he's not the best Superman we've ever had. Mm-hmm. He's born to play that role. Agreed. And not, and not just aesthetically, like he's born for the role of Superman. Plays it in such an earnest way and. He doesn't have to be all like quips and stuff like Brandon Ralph or Christopher Reeve. He can express that in much more subdued, yes, but still effective ways. We've just seen that in Zack Snyder's Justice League. There's moments in there where he still has that kind of corniness of Superman, but it's expressed in a more accessible way for today's audiences, which I think they do really well. Definitely. And plus, you see how he is when he's with his mom, when he's on the farm, when he's in a place of comfort. He does behave differently. It's, it's when people say that Henry Cavill was really wooden in Man of Steel. It's, it, his Superman is, is trying to almost pretend to be confident, in a way. You can read into it that way. He's, he's putting on a front. He's trying to make himself appear to be a stronger person than he is, figuratively. I think... Uh, again, Henry Cavill's had the same criticism for The Witcher, right? A show where his whole the whole point of his acting was to be an emotionless character, and yet yeah. he got a criticism that he was too emotionless. You know, it, it, again, I feel like he's he's someone who's become typecast, and is therefore going to get critiqued no matter what he does. Um, mm-hmm. Which is actually a real shame because if you watch him in interviews, he comes across incredibly well, uh, and everyone who speaks of him. 
says yeah. that he's an absolute <clears throat> gent to work with. Um, I've You've only got, got to look f- at the man from Uncle, and he's very charismatic in that. Yeah, I've actually got a friend who who is friends with um, the girl who plays Jennifer in The Witcher, and he said oh. that he said that she said to use the classic phrase that he's <laughs> he's absolutely brilliant on set and that he's a real angel to have around. Um, and and I get that to be honest, and I get that all of the uh, actors that work in Zack Snyder's films take that attitude into them and and sort of receive that positive energy back as well. It doesn't seem, unless I'm completely mistaken, but with Zack Snyder in terms of his his casting choices, it doesn't seem like he's worked with any out and out dickheads. He always <laughs> seems to have this sort of family environment with his cast members, and I. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling to think of anyone who's come out of a of a Zack Snyder picture and turned out to be not what they appear to be. I bet yeah. you Joss Whedon knows someone. <laughs> we'll get on to that. <laughs> Before we do move on from Man of Steel, I would be remiss if we didn't mention Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL's score. Thank you. I know, I know John has been dying to, to get into it. I know he has. Yeah, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention that. I mean, the film opens with like this beautiful choir going on the birth of superman you see in the beginning of this universe and there's just so many Amazing. great tracks individually that we love but as a whole like it's interesting to see Hans Zimmer come from Batman which is a totally different kind of score in itself it's it's harsher and it has those kind of bombastic moments in the Dark Knight Rises but the superman score is so it's grand it's epic but then it's got those really incredible emotional counterpoints as well that really hone into the the source of the character and yeah i, I adore that score I've, I, we've Likewise. said it over the over our entire friendship like just adore that score it's incredible i remember when the the samples came out for the for the, the man of steel soundtrack and this was this was back when stuff really wasn't leaked you didn't you didn't really get stuff ahead of time they didn't release full clips on youtube and stuff like that this was i know it was only 2013 but it 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 was a lifetime ago things were different when it came to movies and and you didn't necessarily get everything up front so as my previous point the man of steel score came out in like 30 second samples i don't know if you listened to it yourself sam but i remember it being it was either on youtube or it was on like the water tower music website and I played those samples to death. And then I remember reading into it. And, and for those who know me personally, as a drummer when I was a teenager, really into like heavy rock music and stuff, love drums. The fact that Hans Zimmer built a 12-man drum, drum troupe to create a tribal sort of feel for Krypton and, and for the Man of Steel soundtrack as a whole, including the likes of Pharrell Williams and Jason Bonham and Sheila E. It's just incredible when you look at it from that perspective, because it's it's literally the, the marriage of orchestral music and film scores, which I really, really love, but also drummers from rock bands or, or projects that I really admire as well. It just seemed like it came at the right time in my life. I don't think there's a day since Man of Steel came out where I haven't either like tapped it or hummed that drum be- the core drum beat yeah. from the film agreed just, same it just always pops into my head just at random times like it's so it's such an earworm mm-hmm. but i guess uh going from that then bringing continuity of score as well because Hans zimmer continues his work in the next film in the dceu 
and the, the film that brought us together. Good segue. Appreciate that. <laughs> Batman vs Superman, which is truly where Zack Snyder became kind of a, if like, if you want to call it like the godfather of the DCU. This is the film where everything started to expand, got new characters, mm-hmm. and the solo films started to go into production. This is this is this is like the true. While Man of Steel starts the universe, I guess this is the true launch pad for the DCU. And again, it's no secret to anybody that knows us personally. We <laughs> we do love this movie quite a bit. Maybe that's an understatement in itself. But um, yeah, Batman v Superman again. The lead up to that was incredible. All of the trailers might have shown a bit too much in retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> thinking back on that, uh, yeah, who wants to jump in? Batman vs Superman. I've got a starting question before we talk about this movie because my on. my ranking for this movie out of ten has changed a little since oh. seeing the four hour version of Justice League. So what would you guys give Batman vs Superman? Obviously the Ultimate Edition. What would you give that out of ten? Ten. Ten out of ten. <laughs> You'd still go ten. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I I would say that mine slid down to an eight, but you'll hear really kick him off. <laughs> you'll hear why sort of as as we go in i don't award tents that's my that's my thing i'm an elitist i don't do tents. i'm curious to see what is it something to do with the continuity of the characters and how they're portrayed no it's more i just think that snyder's justice league set a new bar to be honest mm. that's that's, where I, that's it fair because i've got some notes to do with a particular amazonian okay and how uh <laughs> She has changed quite a bit over the DCU and yeah. how she's uh, got powers that we've never seen before. And then she does have them, and then she doesn't have them, and it's a whole thing that we'll get into. Well, she's probably actually a good a good place to start for me personally because you gentlemen yeah. uh, will, will take the floor. You, you Wonder will Woman be, it is. You are more qualified to speak on uh, Batman vs Superman, I think, than I do, <clears> given your your high scores. Um, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman is brilliant, and I think. One thing that Zack Snyder will be remembered for forever is choosing what, again, I think will be the definitive Wonder Woman for a long time. You know, Linda Carter was absolutely great, but she was the cheesy TV Wonder Woman, right? Gal Gadot, both on and off screen, like we said earlier, apart from that bloody singing video, has <laughs> has embodied Wonder Woman and what it stands for. Um, Some issues with the later films. For example, you both know I haven't seen Wonder Woman 84 and will not be watching Don't. Wonder Woman 84. Um, but actually, like her introduction, her theme, her presence in that final fight scene and how she just enters as in it and is immediately the warrior. You know, she's almost immediately deferred to because of her centuries of experience. It's, just, it's a moment that I will personally remember forever. You know, uh, outside of, of that, I think Batman vs Superman is amazing. You know, an eight for me is a top score. I don't think I've ever given a film more than a more than a nine. Um, I really love what they did with Batman. I love that he took the inspiration from The Dark Knight Returns. Obviously, she's like one of Frank Miller's more more legendary runs. Um, I probably my biggest gripe with the film was that I sometimes felt like it was trying to do more than it needed to do. I sometimes felt like Batman vs mm-hmm. Superman was having to carry a lot. It was having to shoulder a lot of the brunt of setting up the wider DC universe. Definitely. And I think whether that was Zach biting off more than he could chew, because as much as we like him, he's not perfect. No one is. You know, was it Zach biting off more than he could chew? Was it studio interference? You know, what was it? 
but I think there is there are times in that movie where I see scenes and I see moments that are quite obviously there to set up a wider universe and not necessarily to to further the film. Email cameos. <laughs> email with designed cameos. logos as well. Yeah. With email, designed logos. Email cameos is a perfect one. And while I yeah. nerded like an absolute champ when those cameos appeared, they didn't really add anything to the film other than to build it. it it's probably. a bit cringy on rewatch, isn't it? A yeah. little bit. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that's a good point, actually, to jump into. Like, as much as we've said we love Zack Snyder, like, he does have problems with his filmmaking. I mean, subtlety is not exactly high on his list of a, of a brooch when he's making a film. And sometimes that can work in the favour of, of what he's doing. Sometimes it's very much like, this is in your face and this is what I'm doing. Then there's other times he should probably just, just scale back a little bit and let stuff breathe. Yeah. Because as much as like we'll, we'll get into Justice League, the Zack Snyder one, but as much as I do love that film now, the first part of that is very self-indulgent it is very much yes Warner Brothers have let me do exactly what I want and I'm going to milk this for all it's worth and, and you see parts of that in Batman v Superman to an extent in in, in the ultimate cut um, that is anyway we, we won't talk about the theatrical cut there's no need that theatrical cuts don't exist in this podcast right Warner <laughs> Brothers they don't exist I just don't get why. It's only 30 minutes of footage to cut out of it as well. Just release the film. It's such a key 30 minutes. Everyone who I have... uh, People who who didn't like the film whatsoever, who I have persuaded to watch the ultimate cut, have turned around and gone, oh, it's much better, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is much, (laughs) much better. Um, John, I can see you. You're about to say something. He's itching. Oh, he's not no, I was, I was agreeing with you. I, I think <laughs> I think in relation to the the theatrical cut and the uh, ultimate edition, it's 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 not necessarily night and day with the cuts. I still absolutely adore the theatrical cut, and I know you did as well, Sam, because you saw mm-hmm. it so many fucking times. But <laughs> um, a few. with the theatrical cut, it was perfectly fine. But obviously, it felt like stuff was missing. It was really choppy. But then the ultimate edition paces it out a little bit better. Um, to go, to touch on to your point, Rob, with studio interference and things of that nature, Man of Steel was only set up to be the launching pad for this whole continuity in hindsight, in retrospect. And obviously, it was a really clever way of doing it in having the opening scene of Batman v Superman be the end of Man of Steel from Bruce's perspective, because not only does it show some accountability for all the destruction and the cgi action porn (coughs) from the end of man of steel um it also is a really clever way of introducing other dc characters into that universe but i remember when batman versus superman was going to be two movies i'm sure you do as well sam um i think the first one was going to be like enter the night and then the second one was yeah i don't know dawn of justice i think the second one was called and then it was just one movie but as we've learned from the MCU is a perfect example. Audiences will go and see a three-hour movie. It's just ridiculous to think that they won't. <laughs> if you if you've already made it to the cinema, thirty minutes, it's not a massive deal. Like it, it really isn't. And I get that they can't have as many showings in a day because it's thirty more minutes and it's it all adds up and they 
you know, they might lose two showings of a movie because it's longer, but whatever. I think it's it's an insult to audiences in relation to the length of the film. Um, I, I think narratively, obviously, the Ultimate Edition adds a lot more and it fills in a lot of gaps, especially to do with Lois's side story and to do with the bullet and stuff like that. And it adds to Lex's motivations and how exactly he's manipulated Batman and Superman against each other. So I think considering the Ultimate Edition had such a great reaction in comparison to the theatrical cut, why didn't Warner Brothers and, and DC learn from that lesson with Justice League? Pass. Pass is the <laughs> honest answer. That is, um, that is the big question. I mean, yeah. I guess, like, you, just speaking on Marvel there, like you said, like, so, uh, just to speak on the criticism against kind of DCU, I've always thought it's odd, because Marvel have done their thing really well. They've got mm-hmm. a, a structure and a formula that they do to a T, and most of the time it works, and there's some excellent movies in, in the MCU, I won't deny that. But I don't get why that had to be the thing people used against DC. You don't have to do the solo movies. Why no, can't you have multiple things? I mean, it's a bit of a detriment in BBS because there is a lot going on, especially in the third act where the tone of the film pivots into this big action finale. But going into Justice League, why can't you have it so that we're meeting characters along the way and then we'll set them up in their solo movies? We don't. Why do we have to have the solo movie and then the yeah. team up approach? I've never, I've never understood why that's a criticism. Like, surely it's a good thing that they're doing different approaches. You want different things from these kind of films. But sh- surely, if DC had followed the exact same framework of Marvel, it's just another thing for people to be pissed off about. It's another thing to criticize Zack Snyder for is that he's ripping off Marvel's idea of a connected cinematic universe. Yeah. So he, he can't. He and DC wouldn't have been able to win regardless. It's just unfortunate <coughs> that Marvel kind of beat them to the punch because I have no doubt that DC would have done it first had they had everything in place. It's just that Marvel got their shit together, and I think the one of the reasons for that is because to kind not necessarily go off topic, but to just take a little detour, Marvel for all intents and purposes, were an independent studio when Iron Man and Incredible Hulk came out. They had no one to really answer to. If, Unless I'm mistaken, you had Paramount who distributed Iron Man and universally distributed Incredible Hulk, but they were both made by Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. Whereas DC is owned by Warner Brothers and they sign all the checks. It's just, it's just frustrating, man. I mean, I, I know you said it being possible we don't want to be why should we have to apologize kind of on behalf of how their universe has gone and Zack Snyder and whatnot. But I've always just thought that's an odd approach to have, not just in regards to superheroes and just in films in general, why can't mm. there be something different? Surely you, you want that variety. Anyone? Well, yeah, exactly. And, and tonally, um, you also want to have your superheroes utilized in different ways. You want to see these characters utilized in, in completely different ways. Do I need a Jimmy Olsen in the DCEU? <laughs> no. So why not make him a He's CIA anyway, agent maybe. and kill him off in the beginning of BBS? Yeah. People were angry about that. <laughs> but that's a ridiculous criticism. <laughs> what would Jimmy Olsen have added to this particular story? Why did Zack Snyder shoot Jimmy Olsen at point blank range? It's not fair. <laughs> because it's cool. In fact, didn't Zack Snyder say in one of his interviews that he did it because he wanted to just show that it's not 
it's not your Superman in a way. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> they said your daddy's Superman. <laughs> this is an Elseworlds thing, and, and Zach's gone on record kind of saying that. I don't know whether that was the intention, you know, in, in, at first point of call, but, you know, you've got this, this auteur, and I'm going to call him that, who is taking you on a particular journey with these characters and these storylines. He's using... Um, injustice as as a framework to a degree especially considering with Zack Snyder's Justice League and the nightmare stuff that's first shown in BVS you're seeing an Elseworlds storyline and I I don't understand why you can have Elseworlds storylines in comic books and it just be seen as oh what a breath of fresh air but if someone wants to do it in a mainstream cinematic universe it's seen as satanic Hmm. anyone who has read Marvel and DC comics at, at length knows that they are so different that it would almost be ridiculous to try and have a, a similar even structure to your cinematic universe. You know, anyone who has read them will know that in Mar- in DC, Superman tows a planet from a harness that Green Lantern creates. You know, that was a <laughs> thing that happened somewhere in a comic. That's never going to happen in Marvel, and that's fine because they're both mm-hmm. completely tonally different. I'm one of the, the rare comic fans who thankfully can say he loves both. It doesn't take a bias. Mm-hmm. Anyone who does hate one side or the other, please grow up. They're all comics. Read them and love them. Um, thank you. Thank you. Someone said it. <laughs> uh, so to, to try and emulate a similar cinematic universe structure makes no sense. It makes no oh, yeah. sense whatsoever because your characters are inherently different. There's uh, It often gets thrown around quite a lot that your Marvel universe is full of heroes. Your DC universe is often full of gods. Now, before anyone tries to pipe off, yes, there's gods in Marvel. Thor's one of them. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right? But the general power level of the DC heroes is massive. You know, Batman frequently yeah. does stuff that borders on superhuman. And it's just accepted because he stood next to a guy <laughs> who sits in the middle of a sun when he gets a little bit tired. Right? It's just <laughs> normal. Okay? So... so I've never understood the criticism. For me personally, the sooner I see all the heroes I love and have read for years on screen together, the better. The wait for Avengers Endgame for me was dreadful. It was like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I, have to, I have to agree with you. The reason why all these things in comic books are accepted is because I think we're conditioned when you're reading comic books to just accept what's on the page. And I don't, I don't think it's fair the the same isn't expected when you're watching a movie. Movies, after all, are supposed to be escapist. You're supposed to just be able to switch, not necessarily switch off your brain, but you're supposed to escape the real world, all your troubles, and just sit down and watch a movie with preferably some of your favourite characters showing on screen. And I think, why can't Batman go toe-to-toe with Superman in a movie, in a mainstream movie? They tried to make a Batman versus Superman movie for fucking decades it feels like and we finally got one and fans still aren't happy <laughs> because oh. i think the, the major criticism with with batman v superman i will get back to my point but the major criticism <laughs> with batman v superman is that the actual fight is only eight minutes of screen time or something mm-hmm. but that's not the point the film is batman versus superman because it's a psychological thing it's it's all <laughs> It's all in the subtext and all that sort of shit. But 
more so than that, and I said this to you, Rob, and I think I may have said it in our on our old conversation on the couch, but I think there would have been less criticism if the film was called Batman and Superman. Yeah, and, and just to touch on your point about psychological differences, um, Batman Hush features, I think it's a Poison Ivy-controlled Superman, right? To yeah. snap him out of that moment, Batman throws... It might be Lois. I think it is Lois. Throws her off a building, right? Batman is not afraid to do some dark, dark shit. <laughs> Obviously, he won't out and out kill someone. We know this. And this is a, a controversial point of Zack Snyder's universe. I'm sure one of you two gents will cover more eloquently than I can. But it's not outside of his realm of possibility to to put to, to incorporate an element of risk to achieve what <laughs> needs to be. And guess what? He was absolutely right. He throws Lois Lane off. <laughs> Superman snaps out of it. All is fine. You know, Batman fighting Superman in some aspects, especially on a psychological point of doing what's right, has, has been a continuous talking point in comics for, for decades now. Um, yeah, Sam, I'm aware you've been quite quiet. Jump in. I'm just thinking, I'm enjoying you boys reveling in, in the BVS. <laughs> no, I, I just need just gonna... to go back to my point. Sorry, one Gone. second. Um, the, the, the thing that I wanted to just say, just so I can cap it off, because Rob, you were saying how Marvel are treated like heroes, DC are treated like gods. I think that's why we accept on the page when they do all these ridiculous, cool things, but you, you, you kind of accept it from Marvel and DC, whereas on the screen, for some reason, there's a disconnect between the two. For some reason, you can have Marvel characters doing ridiculous things, but because you, because, I don't know, there's more humour or the heroes have a little bit more humility, or whatever the case may be, I feel like the the average Joe is going to accept it more, whereas they've got issues with when DC characters do it, or when DC characters don't show any sort of hesitation, or whatever the case may be. My point is, they're fucking superheroes. They're, they're fictional characters. and <laughs> Fictional characters. Fictional characters! You understand? Um... And I just think it's ridiculous. Obviously, these heroes do awesome things because they're supposed to be seen as deities. They're supposed to be seen as gods. And I think you would, you would just accept those things. Like I say, if it was on the page, I just don't. I don't get the criticisms. I think I'm getting lost in the point I'm trying to make. I don't <laughs> get the criticisms. Marvel, obviously, they've they've created these characters and they've given them problems the whole point of spider-man was that he was a teenager he's a teenage superhero he's got the same issues every other teenager has but he also has to save the world every now and then save the city every now and then and i just think maybe there's a a subconscious expectation of marvel or, or a subconscious expectation of dc rather that is appeased with marvel and just isn't with dc or maybe maybe we're we're associating marvel and dc too closely and we can't accept them as separate entities and we feel like one should bleed into the other into the other thematically to some extent i don't know maybe i'm way I think, off i think a lot of that comes i think you, i don't think you're far off at all i think a lot of that comes from the fact that you know i, I mean i'm 28 i think sam you're the youngest at, how old are you again 24 24 yeah for all our lives there's been dc and marvel that's it you know there are some mm -hmm. great independent comic companies out there there's image and there's um god there's the other one is it valiant i think that's one yeah you know, there's been some absolutely valiant, yeah. brilliant <clears throat> independent comics and smaller companies but what we've been exposed to all our lives 
it's Marvel and DC, right? That's just mm-hmm. the fact. Now, whenever you've got an A or a B choice, everyone always picks one. That's just the fact, right? True. What has happened, I think, is that Marvel have done a better... And I think this is where the, the potential criticism of the cinematic universe structure does come in, in that it's perfectly okay to have team movies first and then go for solo movies. I think what Marvel had almost the the foresight and the, the opportunity to do was they got to slow burn an introduction to their universe. And I think that ultimately that has helped because it allowed them to mess with the movies. And like you say, Sam, they have a very, they have a road plan. Every movie is, is quite on the rails and it produces some absolute classics. And it's also meant that when they've deviated away from it, WandaVision being a perfect example, the fans are sort of blown away by that deviation in comparison i think warner brothers biggest problem was rushing things i think Mm -hmm. by by trying to by trying to be marvel not so much in structure but in success they've put unnecessary pressure on directors which we've seen with i mean the flash is shooting now after what four years of delay you know (laughs) and i think by doing that they've sort of forced themselves into a position where they've been willing to release films they're not entirely happy with or that they've cut to absolute shit on the cutting floor mm-hmm. in a pursuit of financial success. Whereas mm-hmm. Marvel, by leading the genre, so to speak, had the chance to just implement, experiment, adapt, and have ultimately set the tone. Now, when I say set the tone, I don't mean that... that other companies have to emulate that. I don't think that's true whatsoever. If DC tried to make Marvel movies, they would fail. They would fail without a doubt. Those characters don't suit We've that seen style it. of film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We've seen it. Um, the, the characters just don't suit that time of film. One or two might. A Wally West version of Flash might. Um, a Shazam with sort of a slightly different tone. Not especially not after that first film's villain, which was which was Ace, by the way. Um, you know that that has potential, but why you'd want to do that anyway? You're wasting some of the best elements of those characters. I think for me, DC. If we if we get into, uh, in fact, we're going to get into a certain hashtag later. I'm sure. Uh, if they go for that hashtag, restore <laughs> the Snyderverse, then I think we could we could be in for a real good position there. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I'm I'm jumping the gun. Batman vs Superman, good. And I want to see that flash. <laughs> I want to see that future flash armor a hell of a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think like just while we're on Marvel as well, I feel like the expectation for Batman vs Superman before it came out was people thought it was going to be two hours or so of Batman and Superman fighting each other endlessly, and it was going to just be that kind of thing. And not so much the film we got, which is a bit more, again, following on from Man of Steel, introspective looks into these two superheroes and their ideologies and how those ideologies conflict against each mm-hmm. other. And how Lex Luthor is aware of that and uses that to pit them against each other, which, which is great. And I know Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor has been under much scrutiny since that film came out. But personally for me, I I think he's spot on as Lex me Luthor. Me too. And it's not... Again, I don't. I'm. I'm saying it again. It's not. It's not your daddy's Lex Luthor. It's a different kind of Lex Luthor. I mean, in this continuity, I. I don't think he's actually Lex Luthor Senior. He's Lex Luthor Junior. Lex's son. He's Alexander, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's it's not. I guess you could even say it's not technically the same character. So it, it isn't. Itself. I always I always took it to believe that it, it took it to mean that it wasn't the Lex Luthor. Well, he, yeah. he has a line, doesn't he? About a dad. Dad used to say so and so. Right. He put the Lex in LexCorp. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Right, right checks for Lex is mm-hmm. what I used to say in board meetings. So even then, it sets up that it's a completely different iteration, and I feel like again, it's I think it's a common approach in Snyder's approach in the DCU. He's setting up these characters very much at the beginning of the journey. I mean, Batman's already been Batman for twenty odd years or so, but Lex Luthor specifically, he is turning into the Lex Luthor we know him to be, and we see that more in a little bit at the end of the movie, and in, again in Justice League. Yeah. And I feel like, again, just the expectation for BVS at the time was just not what people, I don't know, what they wanted. I mean, I don't get how, having seen Man of Steel, (laughs) you would not expect it to be a bit more of that from the same director. And I don't know, it takes, BVS is a movie that definitely takes its time. And I think it blows its water a little bit too much in the final act. (laughs) Because you have all the kind of lead up to the actual Particular conflict of Batman vs Superman, and that resolves itself, and then it kind of lends itself into more like, okay, now we have to go blow shit up for thirty minutes. And while I like seeing shit get blown up and Wonder Woman come and save the day, and you've got the amazing theme tune and everything, it does again, like I said, it, it lends itself to that self-indulgent part of Zack Snyder that is a bit of a it negative. It feels like two movies. Yeah, I feel Which like BBS ends. Sense ends there after the fight and i guess yeah. that might have been a bit of an underwhelming conclusion to the movie which i totally get so maybe you do need to pad it out with him going to save martha and doomsday arriving but then we'll get into it i feel like bvs justifies that final act and it's such a weird thing because if you view them as singular entities bvs is it's a bit bloated but then you watch Zack Snyder's justice league and it's like well it makes fucking sense now why it was like that at the end I think yeah. if you watch them as a trilogy, I think they are almost seamless. If you watch yeah. Man of Steel, yeah. then you watch the Ultimate Edition of BBS, and you watch the four-hour cut of Justice League. To me, that that is an almost seamless journey. And he, Superman, I don't know if he said that Superman was always his favourite, but it was quite clear that Superman was the character that he was taking on the journey. You know, yeah. Batman was almost, he was almost a passenger to it. You know, at sometimes an adversary, at sometimes an ally, but he was almost a passenger to it. And Batman's story is is second to Superman's. It, it's quite obvious. You know, Superman, we have the the whole resurrection arc. In Bruce, we we quite merely see what we can assume is a return to his old ways. You know, that Zach yeah. made it quite clear early on. There was the interview I think at Comic Con where he talked about how he approached Ben Affleck, and he was like, "Yeah." I need a Batman who's sort of a bit older, he's a bit out of shape, he's sort of lost his way, and I think you'd be perfect for it. You know, Ben Affleck, we see, take Batman from a, a dark place and then sort of coming back towards a, a more a more lighter position. Do they maybe take him a bit too light in Justice League? Well, I'll get into my opinion on that. But for me, Batman versus Superman, I've got a quick question, and you two will know more than else. Did we know that Aquaman played by Momoa and Flash played by Miller were going to be in the movie? Did Had they been cast at that point? Can we yes. remember? Yeah. And and that was known. Had we it had was that, known. 
the Unite the Seven picture. Is that how we know? Was that when he released it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that coming out because I remember us talking about mm. that and saying, "What does this mean? Does he mean unite the seven seas, or does he mean unite the Justice League?" And we were like, "Which way is this going?" I remember that conversation. Wasn't it technically supposed to be both? I think I it we'll was. I think it was. I um, it it works for both because I remember, I remember being really excited and I felt like, um, I felt like I knew those characters were in the movie, but I did just want to check that I wasn't going mental, uh. In a way, I'd rather have not known from a yeah. marketing point of view. You know, if if you'd have clicked those files and they wouldn't have had logos <laughs> and the first one's Diana and then the second one is that weird underwater visual of Aquaman coming out <laughs> with just the eyes, I think I'd have enjoyed it more. Yeah. I think for me, the only ones we needed to keep were the the Flash coming back in time. Yeah. And the Wonder Woman photo, simply because that sets up Wonder Woman. Yeah, because yeah, we see the birth of that photo in in that film mm. as well. Yeah. I and mean, Flash- I mean, I guess touching on that with with the Flash, I know Rob's itching to dive into that character. I know it. Uh, before we get on to Justice League again, it's setting up the seeds of of a proposed trilogy there that we know a lot about and mm. for me personally seeing the flash arrive because before the film came out we knew they were cast but we didn't know in what capacity they would turn up in the film yeah and then when the flash arrived like traveling through time in imax at midnight showing us like holy fuck like we mm. can't keep flash coming back through time to my nut my nut button went off and like <laughs> and that was after the nightmare scene as well which like comes yeah. into the movie like I couldn't believe we were getting a glimpse at what Zack Snyder was proposing he wanted us to see. And then just the whole concept of that in in the middle of that movie. like. But just oh. remember how awesome that nightmare scene was. Because it go, obviously it goes into the IMAX aspect ratio. So as soon as he opens the door, it's coming out of the hatch. It's in the full frame of the IMAX mm. screen. And then you've got that beautiful one take. And then as the camera pans round, the sky is full of parademons and you've got like the, the horrible little drone parademons or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> then you've got the more militaristic parademons who drop down and punch Batman in the back of the head. And that was amazing. And then you've got him chained up and you've got what appears to be an evil Superman who pushes his hand through Batman's chest. At that moment in time, the Flash fucking shows up in the Batcave <laughs> And it's it's all it, like obviously, what the Flash says, you can kind of just interpret it as the end of of BVS, like as in that's what snaps. She's she's what snaps him out of fighting Superman. Mm-hmm. So if they never actually got to wrap that story arc, which they still haven't, if they never got to wrap that up it still fits it fits for bvs and it also still fits for justice league if again if they don't get to continue it but we'll see but you're absolutely right sitting in the midnight showing of that in fact not even the midnight showing every showing of that movie in the cinema it's still an amazing moment yeah i mean i'll I'll probably talk about flash more in in justice league sam because there's there's a specific Mm -hmm. moment that i'm going to absolutely torture (laughs) but i i remember being sat there john we saw it at the same time we were sat we did many many rows apart um <laughs> but we saw we saw the double bill man of steel and batman vs superman 
And trust me, I was still awake. One, I was so ready. Um, Definitely. When that portal opened, I instantly knew what it meant. You know, having read the comics, and and all of us here did. I instantly knew that this was a Flash who had travelled back in time, and more importantly, that it wasn't. It wasn't this Flash twenty years on. You know, it was a Flash maybe a couple of years on, and and it was it was almost an illusion to the power level of the flash that Zach was going to give us. Um, and and probably the only other thing I'll talk about is that future flash armor. It, it's it's my favorite visual for the flash that's ever been done. So cool. Ever. Um, and again, it, it ties in, you know, when you, when you think back to watching it as a trilogy, that is Batman's inspiration. That is his first bit of inspiration for putting a team together because he knows from that point on that something goes down and without Superman, they will struggle, you know. And and I also think personally, it ties into the the resurrection point that comes up in in Justice League as well. Personally, yeah. um. So yeah, the, the, the Flash, the Flash, my boy, the Flash, my boy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the first part of our DC EU special. Uh, keeping out for the second episode, The Age of Heroes, that will be going live soon, where we dive into Zack Snyder's Justice League, the 2017 film, of course, and the future going forward for DC films. See you then.